0: Welcome to the Queen's Church Sermon Podcast. Our church is being built on two vision statements Jesus is our passion, and love is our mission. We hope this message leads you to Jesus, and that next week you'll join us in person to experience God's love through this local church. You can follow us online at qns.church. What a great time of worship with our team. Uh, Thank you, Danny and Hannah Jane and Austin. You guys always lead us so well. Church, welcome in to Queens Church at home for about the 500th week in a row, but it will not keep going forever. So uh, don't worry about that. Uh, Go ahead and throw a comment in the chat there. Let us know um, who's watching with you, um, how excited you are for church today, and maybe even say um, hello to someone who you also see is watching uh, who you haven't talked to in a while. One of the things that's tough that we have to remember during this time is we've got to keep engaged with others. Uh, some of us who are here recording uh, or, or live each week get to see one another, but a lot of you do not. So go ahead and feel free to you know, go out to dinner and sit on the sidewalk together. Invite somebody to, um, to have church even though we're not inside the walls of church. And as you're doing all that, open your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 today. Our series, Goals, has been so enriching for me and I hope it has been for you as well in reminding us that our, our relationships with other people, our horizontal relationships, um, flow from our relationship with God, our vertical relationship. And when our relationship with God is out of whack or off sync, then our relationships with others will always follow suit. So the first three weeks, we talked about our relationship with God. If you missed any of those, they're all up on our website. Just go to qns.church and and click listen, and you can watch or listen to those. Um, And then last week, Pastor Danny did a great job of showing us how our, our horizontal relationships begin to be reconciled and are built on a foundation of forgiveness, and that in our current cancel culture, forgiveness is not exactly something that's on the forefront of everyone's minds. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, forgiveness has to be what we lead with. So today, we're going to talk about what God has called us to do with the message that he has given us. Uh, The sermon is entitled, Jesus to Everyone. So go ahead and type that in the chat right now. Jesus to Everyone. God's story of redemption does not stop once it has reached our hearts. Our relationships should be moving people closer to God by our proclamation, and by our extravagant love, which is why at Queen's Church we say that Jesus is our passion, but that doesn't stop there. Love is our mission, because when Jesus is our passion, then out of that flows a love toward others, which is the mission that we have been given by him before he ascended when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, Church, I think one of the biggest mistakes that you can make that I can make as a follower of Christ is to settle into the thinking that what God has done in your life is for you alone. It's a dangerous way to think that what God did for me, he did only for me, and it should stop there. God transforms you for his glory, for your good, and for the good of the people close to you, which is what we're going to talk about today. And realize this, that your... Life change could be the catalyst for others to find hope. And when we start thinking about our lives like that, that that what God has done in my life might actually be the spark that ignites hope in someone else's life, it transforms our perspective in the way that we interact with our family, our friends, and yes, like Jesus taught and did, even our enemies. And this story here that we're going to talk about today in John chapter 4, the story of a woman who goes confidently into a town filled with people who had ostracized her, and, he share, and she shares the hope that she has been given in Christ Jesus. Um, every, inter, every relationship you and I have, every interaction that we have each day should be like hers, leading people to Jesus. So let's jump into this story. It's in John chapter 4. I'll start in verse 7. In the first few verses, you just read that Jesus is traveling on his way from Jerusalem into Galilee, and instead of going around Samaria, which is what most Jewish people would have done in that day because Samaritans were a crossbreed, and so they didn't associate, Jews did not associate with Samaritans, instead of going around Samaria the long way, Jesus did something unique, and he went through Samaria, and this is what happens when he sits down for some rest by a well. Verse 7 of John 4 says this, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Oh, sorry. (laughs) The woman said to him, The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, "'Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here and draw water anymore.' And Jesus said to her, "'Go and call your husband and come here.' The woman answered, "'I have no husband.' Jesus said to her, "'You are right in saying I have no husband, "'for you have had five husbands and the one you have right now is not your husband.' What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So Jesus responded, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews." But the hour is coming, and it is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I... Who speak to you, am he. Just then the disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, What do you seek? or Why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away to the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. And meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. The disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So church, what can we learn from an overview of what happened right here? Just a few things um, off the top before we get into this. A few things we can learn from an overview is that, number one, God calls us out of our comfort zones to share the love of Jesus. Okay, so it's important to realize that Jesus was not in his regular, daily, comfortable activity as a Jewish man when he approached a woman of Samaria and began speaking with her. This is not something that was common during the day, and what... Christians do a lot of times is function only in our comfort zones, and so I want to ask you today to analyze your life. Am I working only in my comfort zone? If that's the case, chances are you are missing out on opportunities to share the love that Jesus has given to you with others who you might interact with if you stepped out, um, and this is, this is uh, clearly here. Jesus is doing something that's um, superseding cultural comfort zones that were created by man, Right, so the, the divide between the Samaritans and the Jews was not something that God instituted. Um, the, the Jews decided that they culturally did not want to interact with cross people in the Samaritans. Does that sound familiar about our day? Right, There are people in our country who don't want to associate with other people, whether it's people from the South and, and the North, or it's Democrats and Republicans, or it's black people and white people, or it's Latinos and Asian people. We, we set these cultural boundaries, boundaries and we say, I'm not going to associate with them based on prejudices, um, based on racism, based on uh, generations, right? Maybe your parents didn't associate with them, so you don't associate with them. But God calls us as followers of Jesus to a different way. We are called to step out of our comfort zones to share the love of Jesus. Also, we see real quickly here that God calls us to the least of these, Okay, the people who have nothing to offer us. We learned this in the Carry the Water series back um, before COVID, and we're going to continue that series in a few weeks here, Um, but that God calls us to the people who have nothing to offer us in return. And often those are the ones that God uses to bring about the harvest because God is passionate about using what is foolish to the world to shame the wise. Right? We learn that in Paul's writings, that God has a habit of using what we would consider in our culture the underdog. Right? God wants to use the underdog because it doesn't make any sense to mankind how this person could have such a great impact. And church, if you're watching this today at home, I want to, you to know that you are that person. You are the person that God wants to use. No matter if you're poor or rich no matter if, you were, uh, if you're college educated or you dropped out of junior high school, no matter if you're a, a man or a woman, God wants to use you to bring about the harvest. That's what Jesus is trying to get through to his disciples right here, um, that God calls us to the least of these. And we are to see ourselves as, we learned in the portrait series, as the least of these, um, the poor in spirit. Uh, also, from a quick overview, overview, we can see that, um, we can arrange chance encounters. This is a big one because you know, you might say, Well, I would never, I've never just interacted with someone the way Jesus did. Well, it's clear that he did this on purpose. It was not, you might think it's a chance encounter to come upon this woman who happened to be divorced and living with a man who's not, and had this great uh, opportunity to go and just completely bring that whole entire city to Jesus because of her underdog status. But what happened was Jesus arranged this chance encounter. On purpose, he went into Samaria and traveled through there. So you and I have the opportunity on a daily basis to arrange chance encounters. That means that as we go further in this sermon and you start to get challenged to name specific people who God is calling you to share the love of Jesus with, you might need to plan out and arrange a chance encounter with them so you have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus. Maybe you invite them to your home for dinner. Maybe you meet them somewhere. Maybe you know where they work. I'm not talking about stalking, but I'm saying, like, oh, if they work at the coffee shop, I'm going to go buy coffee from that coffee shop. Um, So we can arrange chance encounters um, also, we have to obey the Father, even when it takes us out of our normal path. And finally, um, a quote from Tom Rainer, uh He says, the call of the gospel is to renounce self and follow Christ. And if we really follow Christ, he will take us to some messy places. As I read that quote, I couldn't help but think of Pastor Danny's uh, qu- quote from his sermon last week when he said, forgiveness is messy, right? So in your spiritual life, personally, God has called you to a messy place, right? That's to get into the grime of sin that we like to ignore and handle it spiritually with one another and with our own sin. And in evangelism, God calls us to that same messy place. He calls us to places that we do not normally want to go, He calls us out of our comfort zone. So don't be scared of the messy place, church. Embrace the messy place. Step into it knowing that God has brought you there to bring order, to bring hope, to bring life. There's the quick overview. Are you tired yet? (laughs) Um, Now let's just look at a couple of these verses and see how do we do this. How do we take Jesus to everyone? Following Jesus' model here, what are the ways that we can evangelize others? How can we share the love of Jesus that we have? And I want us to just see these four things real quick. Verse 28, we have to face our fears. Face our fears. Look at what happens in verse 28 of um, of this chapter. The woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people. So, What you might not have picked up on is that this woman, um, it's clear to Jesus, is carrying a lot of shame. She's carrying shame from her past divorce because in those days, it wasn't as common and it wasn't as well received as it is in our days um, to be divorced and to live after your divorce in a healthy, flourishing way. So she's carrying shame from that. Jesus knew that. He's the one that brought it up in their relationship. She's also carrying shame because the people, the man she's living with now is not her husband. So there's shame carried from that. And you can see the shame in the way that she is at the well. The Bible says that she's alone at the well in midday. Well, normally a woman would come to the well in the early morning hours while the air is still cool and before the day starts. So that by the time the family is awake and ready to go, there's water in the house. So she was ostracized from her community. She's carrying shame in that way. But she faced her fears. And she ran when Jesus told her all that she had ever done, and she was wondering, is this to Christ? She faced her fears and ran straight back into the town, filled with people who had ostracized her, where she had fear of embarrassment, of rejection, of going against her family and her friends. And she proclaimed to them, there might be the Messiah at our well right now. So, my question to you is: What is God calling you to leave behind today? This woman left behind her water jar and took off. The water jar represents a lot to her, right? It represents her well-being, her family's well-being. It's it's actually almost a uh, insignia of her shame, right? I mean. The shame is is most prevalent for this woman when she's sitting there with her water jar at the well all by herself. Can you imagine when she gets back and she fills the cisterns with water and she has the water jar on the counter and she walks by it later that evening and she glances at it and she thinks, tomorrow I'll take that water jar and I'll go back to the well by myself. Lonely, sad, broken, left out. See, To me, the water jar represents the shame that she left behind. For her, facing the fears meant leaving this um, physical representation of my shame right here with Jesus, turning from it and running headlong into the place where my shame usually makes itself known. Running to the people who shamed me in the first place, and telling them of the hope that I have just found in Jesus. So, church, what is God calling you to leave behind today? Facing your fears means naming that and then leaving it behind today. Maybe it's embarrassment or rejection, or, or like hers, maybe it's going against family. Um, facing your fears always means leaving something behind And if you want to do the hard work of showing Jesus' love to everyone, you're going to have to figure out what God is calling you to leave behind. The next thing is this. In verse 29, we have to tell our story. Tell your story. She says, so 28 ends with her saying to the people, and then quote 29, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? What has Jesus done in your life? This woman had a a several minute conversation with Jesus, and he gave her so much hope that maybe he was the Messiah that she faced her fear, left her shame behind, took off into the town, and she screams out her story Come and meet a man who has told me all that I ever did. What's your story? What is Jesus calling you to say? Did he set you free from addiction? Has he forgiven you like no one else ever did? That, that message that Danny preached last week, you were thinking, no person has ever forgiven me like that, but Jesus has. Has he given you hope when you were hopeless? Peace when you were restless? During this series of goals, remember, we're supposed to be coming, coming out in public and saying what our goals are writing them down. I want to encourage you to write down your story and share it with those people who are close to you. What has Jesus done in your life? She told her story. And then the third thing that she did was she led them to Jesus. Come and see a man. And then in verse 30, they went out of the town and they came to Jesus. Lead them to Jesus. Jesus came to this woman, and what she received from him was different than what she was getting from everyone else in her life. You see that she, she was in a place where she received shame from most people, and she came to Jesus, and he didn't give her shame, and I think that's why Jesus told her everything that she ever did. Because she, she's like you and me. If someone doesn't know us truly, and they're kind to us, or they, or they act a certain way to us, you might think in your, in your heart of hearts, yeah, but if they really knew they really knew who I really was, they wouldn't treat me like that, right? That's why Jesus told her everything she ever did so that she didn't have the excuse that, oh, this guy, he was just being a nice Jewish man. He doesn't really know who I really am. He, he wouldn't treat me like that if he knew my past. Jesus said, I know who you are, and I'm treating you like this on purpose. Others gave her disrespect and treated her as if she was below them or judged her and ostracized her and made her feel self-conscious. They kept her out but Jesus told her she was valuable. Jesus shared hope with her. He sat with her. He spoke to her. He saw her for who she really was. He knew her. And so I want to ask you, and I want to ask myself, as someone who's sharing Jesus with other people, what are people getting from you? If this woman is, was in your life, because I believe that there probably is a woman like this in your life and in all of our lives, or a man, what are they getting from you? In other words, are you the townspeople, or are you Jesus? Are you giving people shame and judgment? Are you treating people as if they're below you, ostracizing them, making them feel self-conscious on purpose, or are you sharing hope? Are you giving people value? Are you sitting with people? You say, I know I've been in quarantine for five months. I know you can't sit with people that often right now, but do you see people for who they really are? You know, you can practice getting good at doing that. You can, you can, if you listen well enough to people, you will see behind the things that they say and you can tell what they're looking for. You can hear what they're crying for. And if you care enough to go that extra mile, then you can give them value and hope In their struggles. So, what are people getting from you? Are you leading them to Jesus? I know you you might argue and say, listen, I don't have the gift of accomplishing all of those things in one sitting at the well with one person like Jesus did. (laughs) There's no way I could do that. And I do think that what Jesus is doing here is uh, teaching us how we are to interact with people on a daily basis. But he packs it all into one interaction, but this, one, this interaction might happen over the course of months or years or a whole lifetime for you. You might be sitting with someone at the well for years before you ever hear them come to Jesus, but I think he's also displaying who we are to act this way toward. Jesus is acting like this toward this marginalized woman on purpose, and you and I have people who are poor and marginalized in our life, Some are poor and marginalized financially, while still others, although we don't acknowledge this one as much, are are poor and marginalized socially. Some people in your life are poor and marginalized emotionally. And some, it is true, are in all of these areas, poor and marginalized. But the takeaway though is this, that God calls his followers, God is calling you to seek those people out who the world ignores and brushes aside, right? So you can look at the the spectrum of people in your life, and each of them have something about them that the world ignores or brushes aside, and God is calling you and me to seek those people out. Maybe, Maybe they are poor financially, and the world brushes them aside. You are to seek them out. Maybe they're rich financially, and so a lot of people brush them aside. And you've heard the story a thousand times over that someone who's rich and famous and has all the things they could ever have, but what are they at the end of the day? Lonely, depressed, addicted. Why is that? It's because poverty and marginalization is not a single lane highway like we think it is. We usually just put it in financial terms. And if someone gets out of the financial lane of poverty and marginalization, then they're good. Good to go. Everything is going to be great in their life. But we know that's not true. That's foolish to think that. And so, as Christians, we are called to go to all people who the world brushes aside, even those who have and those who have not. They are worthy of your time, they're worthy of your money, they're worthy of your attention. And most of all, the poor and marginalized in your life, the people who are on your mind right now, they are worthy of hearing your story of hope in Jesus Christ. So tell your story, lead them to Jesus. And the last one is this reap the harvest. This is what Jesus is talking about with the disciples after she leaves. He talk, starts talking about reaping the harvest. And he says some people are, are laboring and you're going to reap their harvest and you're going to labor and not see a harvest. And he talks about this in other gospels as well. But the point is this. Who, who, who God has put in your life are for you to share the hope of Jesus too. You may not be called to share the hope of Jesus to someone who is two or three degrees of separation away from you. But there are people right in your path today who God is calling you to share the love of God with. So the question we have to ask ourselves is this. I want you to ask yourself this. Who has God put in your life that is ready to give their life to Jesus? Who has God put in your life that is ready to hear your story of hope? The last thing I'll say Is that when thinking about the harvest? If you were raised in the church, I want to challenge you to rethink your concept of the harvest. And if you weren't, and if you're a new believer here at Queen's Church, I want to encourage you to think about the harvest like this. Many followers of Jesus who have lived a long um, journey, a long spiritual journey in the church, often think of the harvest as saved and unsaved, and that's it. And there's nothing that we can do. In between those two stages, it's very binary. If you know about uh, computer languages, it's either one or zero, on or off. And what what we try to what we want to teach here at Queen's Church, is a wider view of what the harvest is, and that's that. Yes, there is a point in which people are converted and follow Jesus. All sinners must confess that Jesus is Lord in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. However. People are on different stages in their journey toward Christ. And what we as Christians can do is discern where people are and try to help them take the next step in their faith. Someone's next step might not be like this woman's to go from no faith to faith in Jesus right away. And that shouldn't discourage us. Um, there's There's a scale that you can actually use in your mind to think of this. It's called the Engel scale, and it works like this. Conversion is at zero, And the scale goes from negative 10 all the way to positive 10. And so the point is this. Every single person on earth is on the scale somewhere in their relation to God. Some are much closer and more mature in their faith with God, and some do not even know that there is a God who loves them and is ready to accept and receive and forgive them. And so what we can do is find where the people in our life are on that scale. How close are they to trusting Jesus? and then be intentional about thinking of the harvest like this. What labor am I called to with this person? Am I called to talk about God and introduce them for the very first time, and they're going to go from negative 10 to negative 9 in their relation with me, and then I'll be out of the picture, like Jesus says to the disciples here, and some other laborers are going to come in and bring them the rest of the way. Or maybe that person is a plus four. This is where it puts the... Um, the, the nuts to us right now, like screws it down tight on the church is after conversion, what are we doing with one another in discipleship? It's actually our job to disciple one another to become more mature in Christ Jesus. So what tools are at your disposal right now that are being underutilized? Maybe you have a voice that you're not using in your, with your unbelieving friends. Maybe they listen to you You might be sort of a compass for your unbelieving friends and you haven't even realized it. And so your voice is being underutilized and there are people on in your friend group who need to move closer to God and if you just open your mouth and speak your story, they will. Maybe um, your job is a tool that you're underutilizing. You're just clocking in, clocking out. Clocking in, clocking out. Like everybody else at the job. When in reality, God has you in that job specifically for your boss's good. Or maybe for your coworkers' good, or for the customers' good, because he wants to call them unto him. Unto him, and if you are willing to step into uh, the proclamation and the sharing of God's love, he is ready to give you a, give the harvest over. Maybe your platform, maybe your parenting, maybe your school. There's all kinds of tools in your life that could be being underutilized, and I want us to ask ourselves what tools are at my disposal right now that are being underutilized? How can I be moving people closer to God in my daily interactions with them? So, church, we are called to face our fears. Leave our shame behind. Leave our embarrassment behind. Leave whatever it is that God is calling you to leave behind with Jesus. It's also, we didn't focus on this much, but it's also no coincidence that she left it behind at the feet of Jesus. She left that water jar, and she ran. So we're called to face our fears and leave things behind. You cannot go and tell your story if you haven't left it behind. Tell your story. Lead them to Jesus. And finally, reap the harvest. Find joy in each of those steps. Some of them are harder than others. Of course, it's easier to reap the harvest, to hear your friends say, I do want to hear more about that. That's easier than facing your fears. I get it. Step four is easier than step one. But you can't get to step four without going through those other steps first. So the next step for you might be this. Asking yourself, how can I lead the people in my home to Jesus? You don't have to go very far, you know. The closest neighbors that you have are the ones you live with. I know usually we think of neighbors uh, traditionally as the people outside of our doors, the closest people to us outside our doors. But if you live with unbelieving people, or or even, like I said, if you live with Christians, the closest people to you are the ones inside your home. How can you lead them to Jesus? And here's the goal I want to challenge each of us to. I want this to be everyone's next step. And if if you're going to do this, if you need some accountability, go ahead and write in the comments right now. I'm going to write my story. I'm going to write my story. The goal is for each person at Queen's Church, each person who's watching this broadcast, to write your story, to name someone. You thought I was going to stop with that. That was easy. Okay, I'll write my story. Now, write your story, name someone who needs to hear your story. We're not going to stop there either. And then share your story. Share your story. I I think, for me, this is the hardest goal, the hardest challenge we've had in this series. And if you're feeling like it is, you're not alone. I know this will be difficult. However, church, this is why God has saved us. For his glory, for our good, and for the good of others. Remember what I opened the sermon with. One of the biggest mistakes a follower of Christ can make is to settle into thinking that what God has done in your life is for you alone what God has done in your life is for you to share with others. Write your story, name someone who needs to hear it, and share your story. Church, I know that this journey has been unorthodox as we've started this church and been in four different locations, including online right now, Um, but I want to encourage you that God is moving. Seeing those baptisms a few weeks ago was such a great Um, awakening of what God has been doing during the quarantine in each of our lives. And I want to encourage you, like I said at the beginning, uh, before I started preaching, to reach out to someone in the church who you haven't seen in a little while. All right, everybody's cool to get, to get, most people are cool to get around others, wear your mask, social distance, but just say, hey, let's grab coffee. Let's get lunch. Let's get dinner. Let's hang out. If you're comfortable, invite them over to your house. Interact with someone this week who you haven't been interacting with. Because I think that if we do that and this story thing comes up, you might be challenged to meet that goal in a way that you're not going to do on your own. If you're in your house, going to work, coming back home by yourself all day, you can forget about this goal easily. But if you're around one another, if you take that bold step and say, I need to get around my brothers and sisters in Christ because they're going to challenge me to do this. This is how God grows his church. Through the people of God sharing the story. And the best part is a lot of people from that town who that woman told her story to followed Jesus. When you lead people to Jesus, some of them will follow. And that is the hope and the joy that we have in our salvation, that it is not just for us, it is for others. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the love that you have Thank you for the hope that you've given us in your son, Jesus. And I pray that we would face our fears and tell our story so that it leads people to Jesus and we would reap a harvest for your glory and for your kingdom to be built on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's worship together as we respond. During this next song, I want to invite you to go ahead and even begin writing your story. If you need to step out in faith and trust Jesus for the first time ever, do that right now. If you say, I don't have a story, raise your hand right there on the chat. I need help telling my story because I don't even know what it is. You just need to step out in faith and say, Jesus, I trust you. And then let us know you've done that so we can walk with you along that path. Let's worship together. And don't let this don't let this go by the wayside. Let this word settle into our lives today as we worship.